things, don't we? And life is not easy. But uh, thank God that he's with us. Amen. And this morning, if you would just take your Bibles, I want you to turn to the Gospel of Mark first, and then we're going to jump over to Luke. And if you would just turn to the first chapter of the Gospel of Mark. By the way, I'm... uh, I, I'm uh, in September. I, I'm doing a, a round-the-globe trip, where I'm going to the country of uh, Tbilisi, Georgia, and I'll be doing a seminar there. That's right next to Iran. A lot of Iranian pastors are now coming across the border, and there's some really neat opportunities to minister there. Anyway, I'll be over there in Tbilisi, and then from from there, I travel to Thailand, and I do another seminar in Thailand, and then from there, I go over to Vietnam, which is right next door to Thailand, and I'm doing another seminar there, and then I go home, so I literally will circle the globe on that trip. So uh, anyway, it's pretty cool how the Lord just gives me those neat little trips. That's a, that's a killer, by the way, of sitting for a lot of hours. So, <laughs> Okay, Mark chapter 1, and I want you to... Uh, Pick up with me in verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And so we see that Jesus came and he was preaching a fourfold gospel. First of all, He said the time was fulfilled. What's he referring to? Well, we know that he's talking about all the prophecies that had been prophesied in the Old Testament. And Jesus had fulfilled over 300 prophecies up to this point. And and Jesus is saying the time is fulfilled. In other words, the Messiah has come that they had long looked for. And then secondly, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what did he mean by that? Well, you all understand that before you can have a kingdom, you have to have what? Yeah, you have to have a king. And we know that Jesus came and said, I am the king. The king is here. And folks, that's good news. And we're going to see this morning As we look at the kingdom of God, we're going to look at his authority and how he came with tremendous authority. And and so he was preaching that the king was here. Thirdly, he said, repent. And so he was preaching the gospel of repentance, which is so important today that we preach repentance. We need to repent from our sins. And then fourthly, he said, believe in the gospel. We have to believe in it. It's not enough just to understand the gospel. We have to believe in it. And so that's what Jesus was doing. He was proclaiming his kingdom, and it was here. And if you would now just jump over to the gospel of Luke, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at this kingdom, and Luke goes into it with us in a little more uh, clarity here, and I want you to see this. And so, if you pick up in chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, and we'll pick up in verse 31. 
Then he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his words was his word was with authority. Just join with me in a word of prayer. Father, as we look at your scriptures this morning, we thank you for the authority of Jesus. And we thank you so much that you sent him. And so this morning, Lord, would you open our hearts and our minds to your word as we study it, Lord. We ask that your word would speak to our hearts and that you would move and mold and make us into what you want all of us to be. So we thank you now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, uh, we see in verse 31 of chapter 4 that Jesus is in Capernaum and, uh, uh, and he was teaching on the Sabbath day. And, and we're told that the, the people, as he taught, they were astonished at his teaching because they said, for his word was with authority. And so we see that Jesus, first of all, was teaching with authority. And as he taught, he was doing something very different than what the religious leaders were doing. Uh, in uh, Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 22, it says, They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Well, what, was, what, what was he doing that was so different than the religious leaders, the, the scribes, the Pharisees? Well, we know that the scribes, these men, they would read the scriptures, but that's as far as it went. Oh, they would quote different rabbis. Rabbi so-and-so says this, or rabbi so-and-so says that. But they never dared to interpret the scriptures on their own. But Jesus, when he taught, he first had the people look at what the scripture said. He got them to observe it. But then he would do something the scribes would never do. He explained it. He went into detail. And, and then he would challenge the people to, to make application. And, and that's what I teach all over the world. And you see, Jesus was, was teaching so differently than the religious leaders. They were just what I call echoes. You all know what an echo is, right? You've all heard that and done that in the canyon and the repeating and repeating. And, and, and what I have found today as I travel and work with thousands of pastors all over the globe that so many of these pastors, you know what they're doing week after week when their people come to church? They're just echoing what somebody else has said. They don't know how to take a text and go through it verse by verse and break it into pieces. And, and so they're, they're just, they, uh, the first time I was in the Philippines doing a, uh, a session with these pastors, they all had their pencils and papers out, and, and I found out later they're copying, they were copying word for word my sermons. And the reason they were copying is because they were always looking for new messages. And what we began to teach them in the seminar was how to get messages for a lifetime. Because when you teach this book, you'll never run out of sermons. 
And there's so much there, but these men would just echo and just repeat what somebody else has said. And you understand, when you do that, there is no authority in that kind of teaching. And so Jesus, when he taught, they marveled at his teaching because he, he had this tremendous authority uh, over the truth. We, we are working with pastors today. We, we now in uh, Africa, which is one of our best working uh, countries that we work in, uh, in uh, Tanzania, we have six Bible schools going there for pastors only. And these guys come in, and I know I've talked about this a little bit with you before. They come in, and we work with them. Uh, we, we have them trained in training in 50 days. It goes over three years. Ten, they come five times for 10 days. But they'll come, and we work with these pastors. And by the time they go through those 50 days of training, these guys are teaching the word with authority. And it's so powerful to see how God is working in these men's lives. So we actually have six Bible schools going now in Tanz Tanzania. We opened a new one not too long ago in the Sudan. And uh, I just got where my director is there right now, been teaching there. And he just says, it's amazing. These guys are so hungry. And uh, he had a picture of one of the guys. The guy was almost six foot 10. These guys are huge there in the Sudan. But, but and, and this particular pastor, he has a church of over 3,000 people. And, and, and God is just using them as, they, as, they, as they're teaching, learning how to teach the word with authority. And that's what we need today. We're opening another school in Kenya. Uh, it's, op uh, it's opening up uh, soon. And then in uh, October, we're opening another one in Liberia. And, and so these Bible schools that we're doing, we're having tremendous success in getting the pastors to stop doing their topicals jumping all over the Bible and going through chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And I tell you what, there's, there's just been such a, a tremendous response of the people because the people are hungry to know the word. And they're hungering to get into the word of God. And so it's just been a, a thrill to see what God is doing. And so first of all, we saw uh, in verses 31 and 32 that Jesus is teaching with authority. Well, the second uh, thing that we will look at now is his authority over the spirit world. It says in verse 33, now in the synagogue, there was a man with a, who had a spirit uh, of an unclean demon. And he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with us, uh, with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, it came out of him and did not hurt him. And they were all amazed and spoke with themselves, saying, What word is this? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went into the, every place in the surrounding region. And so secondly, we see that Jesus came and as he came he had authority over the demonic world and we know the demonic world is very powerful and and folks i experience it so much in third world countries and we just see how the enemy he he wants to thwart what god is doing and every time i do seminars i ask people to pray and i know many of you are praying 
for me in my journeys and my trips is you get my um, my email that says I'm going to a certain place and then I always give you a report of what happened and and I, I'm so thankful for people that pray because it, it's so powerful. I I uh, was doing a seminar years ago in in Thailand and uh, I, when I got there I'll never forget going in and just kind of walking around the city and and I noticed in the houses there that every single house had a little dollhouse on the corner of the pro their property. And I found out that, that every day what they would do is they would take food and, and they would put it into that little house. And that little house was the demon house. And they did that because they didn't want the demons to come into the big house. And so there was just this open demonic worship that I began to experience. And, and it, was, it was really powerful. And, and I'll never forget, I, I, I did my seminar and we had a great time. And I got on, got on the airplane to fly back to Manila because I was still living in the Philippines at that time. And, 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 I, and I sat down on my airplane, buckled up my seatbelt, and all of a sudden I had this incredible headache that came on me. And, uh, I, you know, I've never been one that gets a lot of headaches or, you know, uh, anything of the, that degree. And, but, boy, I mean, th th it was really a heavy-duty headache. And, boy, I, I, it was just like I, I started praying. And I, it's just like I just I couldn't do anything. And it just got worse and worse. And, and, and I kept, you know, I, all the way back to Manila. It was a little over a two-hour flight back to Manila, and uh, my wife was coming up to meet me, and we were going to do some shopping. And, uh, and so uh, I somehow got from the airport to the hotel, and, and I remember just pulling the shades down, and I'm just sitting there, and I'm in agony. And as I'm sitting there and praying, and, and just nothing is working, uh, my wife finally arrived. She walked into the room. She knew I was in trouble. Without me telling her one word, she came over and just laid her hands and started praying over me. And she prayed and prayed. And you know, about 10 minutes after she started praying, it was like, bang, it was completely gone. No more headache. No migraine. No, it was all gone. And you, you, you kind of go, okay, well, what was that then? Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was demonic activity, and they knew that I was vulnerable because I didn't have anybody traveling with me, and they knew that 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 uh, there was nobody that would pray for me and intercede for me, and they attacked. And, and I, I'm so thankful that we can pray and intercede, and, and and you know sometimes you know God doesn't immediately answer those prayers, does He? But but. But through those prayers, and we know that he is going to deliver us, and I'm so thankful that God does that. But we know that uh, my wife, she also had another experience one time where she was, uh, uh, she got up there in, in the Philippines where we were living, and she, uh, she went to take the kids to school, and she just, as she got up that morning, she felt this evil presence, you know, and, and so she just, she just started to pray and pray, and she said it wouldn't go. And, and, and so uh, she's driving the kids to school, and she drops them off at school. And, 
And she goes, Lord, I, I, this presence, it's still with me. And, and, and so she, uh, she decided to go to her prayer partner, and she drove over to her house and shared with her what was going on. And, and uh, they prayed for a few minutes, and her prayer partner pulled out her guitar, and she just started worshiping. And she, they worshiped and praised. And you know, it was just a few minutes after they began to worship and praise. She said that it, it was gone. And you and I are in a war today. It's a spiritual battle. And the enemy is powerful. And, and you and I, God wants us to deal with the demonic world. And we don't have to submit to it. And, and we know that it's interesting where the demons encountered Jesus. Did you see where they encountered Jesus? <laughs> he was in the synagogue. That's a place of worship. But you see, they're not limited. They can go anywhere. And, and we know that, that uh, they spoke to Jesus. They, they recognized who Jesus was. It says, um, the demon cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus rebuked him and told him to be silent. And we know that the demonic world, uh, they, they are very present. I, uh, one of the studies that we do in our seminar is in the book of Jude. And in Jude, which only has one chapter, the sixth verse, it says this. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he is reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. And the angels, we know that these, these demonic spirits that are at work around our world, they are part of angelic host that fell with Lucifer. And we know that they, uh, they knew who Jesus was because think about it. They were in the presence of God. They were in the presence of Jesus. And they obviously knew who Jesus was. But they chose their will over the will of God. And the result was they were cast out of heaven. And they're very much active in this world that you and I live in today. And uh, we know that, that when the children of Israel worshiped and obeyed God, God blessed them and God preserved them and kept them from the demonic activity. But the minute they started worshiping idols, which they frequently did, the Asherahs and uh, uh, the Baals, we know that, that, that God released the demons. They, they, they're, they're free to work again. And we know that, that they, the results of the demonic activity there was led to uh, children being sacrificed. It, just, it, was, it was just uh, incredible what the demonic activity would do when they began to worship these idols. It's so interesting to see what's happened in our own country. You know, our country was established on Christian principles so long ago. And as a result of that, God blessed America. But uh, in uh, 1962, 
our Supreme Court decided that prayer was no longer important in the schools. In 1963, they said the Bible was no longer important in the schools, and it was removed. You know, as a kid growing up, I, I was pre that, that in those days, and uh, I, I remember in elementary school, the first thing we did was pray. And then they read the Bible every day. But our country said, we don't need you, God. We don't need prayer. We don't need the Bible. And then, of course, in 1973, abortion was approved. And since then, 63 million babies have been put to death in America alone. And so we see that the demonic activity has ramped up greater than ever before because we have rejected God. And, and the result is our country is suffering and we're seeing things today, uh, uh, unbelievable things that are happening. Unbelievable things that are going on with our governors and, and uh, our president and and uh, so the internet today boy i tell you that's that was a wonderful invention except it also brought in so much evil and what was somewhat controlled before now porn is just everywhere on the internet and uh, uh i just it, you know, this, this thing right here, it's a, it's a wonderful little tool, isn't it? Man, I would have loved to have had one of these in the Philippines. When I made phone calls when I lived in the Philippines, if I needed to call my parents back in America, I'd have to drive 30 miles to another city because our city didn't have a very good phone system. And I, I would drive 30 miles and I would make my phone call and, and then drive home. And that was the only communication we had. When I was out on trips, I'd be gone for two weeks. I couldn't talk to my wife. There was no communication at all. She just waited for my airplane to fly in. And we lived fairly close to the airport, and she'd hear the airplane fly in. And she'd get in her car and drive over to the airport, hoping that I would be on that flight. And you never knew. You know, we couldn't communicate. But that, that phone has become addictive to uh, everybody in this world. I can't go anywhere in this world today where people ha don't have phones. Uh, even in remote areas where I go sometimes, they've all got cell phones. And, and there is an addiction to this cell phone, and everybody's looking at it constantly. Just uh, next time you go out to eat, just look at couples sitting there, and you'll notice something. It's very disturbing. They're not talking to each other. They're all right here. And, you know, everywhere I go, in the airport, airplanes, everybody's right here. You know, we're all looking here, you know. And, and I do, I look at my phone too, but, but I tell you what, I know this phone can be a real addictive thing to you and I. We've got to be so careful because it, we end up spending so much time on this phone and so little time in this book. And you know, uh, they, I, I read recently that the average teen spends seven hours 
and 22 minutes per day on the cell phone. The average adult, about four hours a day. And we say, you know, I just don't have time to get into the Word. I don't have time to do this. And yet, we somehow find a lot of time to be on our cell phones. And so Jesus, he took authority over the demonic world. And you and I are not bound by the demons. Do you understand that? You and I have authority over them because he's given us his authority that you and I can deal with when the enemy comes. And he will often come and wants to invade right into our families and, you know, uh, rob us of time with the family, talking together, sharing together. And so you and I, we can take authority over that. And God wants us to. And so Jesus, he had this authority over the spirit world and people were amazed because he says with authority and power he commands even the unclean spirits and they come out. Well, the next thing we want to look at is his authority over the physical world. And if you uh, follow on verse 38. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, but Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they may request of him to, uh, concerning her. So I stood over her and rebuked the fever, and I left her, and immediately she arose and served them. And when the sun was setting, those who uh, had, any, uh, had any, that were, any that were sick and various diseases, he brought them to him and laid hands on them, and every one of them was healed. And the demons came out, and many cried and said, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, but he did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. And so we see that Jesus, uh, thirdly, has uh, authority over the physical world. And as you read through the Gospels, you know... Jesus walked on the water. The water couldn't make him sink like you and I would. We know that he, uh, he dealt with the, the wind and the waves. And he uh, dealt with the issue of death. There was nothing he could not deal with. There's nothing that he did not have authority over. We know that he could feed 5,000 plus people and it was no big problem for him. But Jesus had authority over the physical world and we know that there was no sickness he couldn't heal. He could heal everything. But you know, I found that sometimes he doesn't heal the way we want him to heal. And sometimes people get sick like your pastor's wife and she didn't get better, did she? But God took her. Now, of course, she's perfectly healed today. And we're so thankful for that. But, but sometimes God doesn't, um, doesn't heal, right, as we would want them to, him to. I, I think of a, 
there's a young lady in the, our little fellowship who uh, is, um, she's an epileptic. And uh, since a small child, she has had seizure after seizure after seizure. She's now in her uh, mid-20s, and uh, she continues to have seizures. And we've laid hands on her and prayed over her, and, and she hasn't been healed. And, and I, I think of uh, my wife, who's got uh, uh, lupus. And we've prayed over her and prayed over her, and God hasn't healed her. And she struggles and suffers a great deal with this lupus. And, and, and so there, there's things that happen in our lives that we, we wonder, God, what, why aren't you answering this prayer? But God has a purpose for everything. As I was talking to this young gal that suffers from epilepsy. She just shared with me how she has grown so much in her relationship with the Lord. And you see, God uses those things. Now, we don't understand why he does it, but he has a purpose for everything in our lives. And so we can trust him in spite of the suffering and the hardship that we go through. But I'm so thankful that, that uh, we, we have a God who cares for us and knows our needs. It's interesting in verse 41, it, said, it says that the demons came out crying out, and you are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them, and he did not allow them to speak, for they knew who he was. And, and you go, well, boy, why would he silence? These guys were speaking the truth. But, but you understand you don't want to listen to somebody that is behind the liar. And Satan is a liar. And you, he will deceive you if you start listening to him. He, he, he can speak truth. But you and I, we do not want to listen to the enemy. And, and so Jesus did not want the gospel to go out from the voice of these demons who were proclaiming clearly who he was. And so Jesus had that authority over the, the, uh, the physical world, the spirit world. And then fourthly, we see he has authority over men. And if you follow along with me in chapter 5 now, Luke chapter 5. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, which is also referred to as the Sea of Galilee. And he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, for they, they were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked for him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the multitudes from the boat. And so we, we see that Jesus now He's ministering to the crowds, and the people are pressing in on him. And, and, and Jesus had a need. He needed, he needed a, 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 a way to get away from the crowd a little bit so that he could speak freely. And so he saw Simon's boat. Remember, he had just been to Simon's house. And he saw Simon's boat, and, 
And his boat was not in a very good condition. It was empty. And you know, for a fisherman, that's the worst thing to have an empty boat after a full day of fishing. And there, you know, and, and so Jesus said, Peter, just push out a little bit. And I, I, I have need of your boat. And so Peter did. And he pushed out and Jesus, notice, notice how he was teaching there. Did you see what the text says? I love that. He was sitting down. You know, for a pastor, I'm standing up this morning. But I, actually, if I had a stool here, I'd probably sit down. <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with sitting down, okay, and teaching. Jesus sat down. He was teaching the multitude. And, and uh, uh, then we're told in verse 4, and when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And so we see that Simon has provided a boat for Jesus. And now Jesus said, Simon, let's go out into the deep and let's drop your nets down for a catch. And, and now the text doesn't say this, but you've got to think, put yourself into Peter's shoes right now. And what would you be thinking when somebody who is a carpenter tells you to push out into the deep and drop your nets down? Now, you know, as a fisherman, you know quite a bit more than a carpenter would know, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know that it's daytime and you don't drop your nets in the day. The fish aren't going to swim into those nets because they can see them. That's why they fish at night. And, and can you just hear Peter go, what does this carpenter know? And so he pushed out and he said, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Boy, that's disappointing. No catch. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Okay, I'm going to do what you say. It makes no sense at all, but I'll do what you say. You ever feel like Jesus asked you to do things that make no sense at all? He often does that to us, doesn't he? And, and we think we know. We think that, you know, we're professionals. You know, we know our job. We know how to do it. And yet, sometimes he asks us to do things that just go contrary to common sense. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of experiences where he said, put your net down. And I go, oh, come on. <laughs> it's not here. But he wants to do something. And we're told that we had, they had done this. They caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners of the other boat and came and they came and helped them. 
And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. And what happened was this amazing miracle. But when they dropped the nets down, they had so many fish that both boats were sinking with them. Incredible miracle. And when Peter saw this miracle, he fell down before Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. Peter recognized that he didn't know it all. Oh, yeah, he, he's a longtime fisherman, but he didn't know it all. And folks, you don't know it all either. We have to trust him. When he says, throw him out there, throw him out there. Do what he says. Because he wants to work, even though it makes no sense at all. And Peter said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And it's so important for all of us to come to that point in our lives. We recognize, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. I need him to help me. Verse 9 says, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Peter, I'm giving you a new direction in life. You're not going to be catching fish anymore. You're going to be catching men. And you know that's what God's called every one of us into? The business of catching men and women for Christ. There's so many people out there that need Jesus. And we, uh, uh, we can see our world is getting more and more desperate. And it needs Jesus more than ever before. And you and I are to be actively involved and catching men and women for Jesus. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. What did it cost the disciples? To follow Jesus. Well, it says they forsook all. Think about that. It doesn't say they went back and got the fish and got them to the market because there was a ton of money involved here. It said they forsake it all. They 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 weren't going to they they weren't gonna just keep doing, keep your hands in it. You know, we like to do that, don't we? Just kind of keep our hands in it. No, they forsook all, it says. In Mark chapter 8, verse 34, Jesus said, If anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. What did he mean by that? Well, 
If you want to follow after Jesus, he says, you have to deny your right to run your own life. You have to give up that right and say, Lord, I give it to you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to make, uh, I'm not going to do what I want to do anymore, but I'm going to do what you want me to do. And so I must deny myself. And then he says to take up his cross. He's not talking about Jesus' cross. He's talking about your cross. Every one of us have crosses that we have to carry and bear in this life. And some of them are difficult. I don't know too many crosses that aren't difficult. And we all have a cross to carry. But if you want to do that, if you're willing to take up your cross to follow him, he is going to bless your life. I wonder, what will it cost you to follow Jesus? What's going to be involved in your walking with Jesus? Are you willing to leave behind all that you treasure to follow him? Can you get up early and spend time with Jesus? How important is that? Can you give up extra work time to spend more time with your families? Can you give up those weekend trips that make you miss Sundays? Can you give more financially to the kingdom? See, what is it going to cost you? Every one of us have to decide if we're really going to follow Jesus or you're gonna have one foot in the world and one foot trying to follow Jesus. Doesn't work that way. And Jesus is calling you and I to follow him with all of our hearts and all of our being. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to give what you consider dear and important to following Jesus? You know, I have, a, I have a staff worker that works with me in India. And uh, Joe has uh, just, you know, God has used him in an amazing way. He had a small Calvary Chapel in an area called Bombay. And uh, during COVID, uh, the, like everywhere else, the, the churches all got shut down. So... Joe began to just do some videos. And as he did these videos, a television company picked up some of his videos and they contacted him and said, listen, these are really good. Uh, could, could you, would you let us put these on television? And so he, he called me, he says, what do you think? I said, that, that's a no-brainer, go for it. <laughs> And so they were letting him, they were broadcasting some of his, his Bible studies that he was doing on video for his church. And his congregation, which was about 25 people, suddenly evolved into over 1 million people were watching him. And, uh, you know, and, and, and then another TV station contacted him and said, boy, 
we, we've seen what you're teaching, how you're teaching, and it is so different from all the other pastors, and, and, and we really like this, and can, 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 can we show some of your videos on our TV station? And, and, and so he, he, was, he got up to three different TV stations where he was showing his videos, and they were going out to over a million people. They were hearing the gospel, hearing the word, and it got so intense. He was getting phone calls from all over. His broadcasts were actually going into Nepal and, and, so, and some of the other countries around India, Pakistan. He was getting calls from all over, and people were uh, asking for prayer and, and just bringing up all kinds of issues. And it was just an incredible thing what God was doing and how God just took one little video. Actually, he did a number of them, and he began to use them literally all around the area with millions of people. And, and, and you know, you never know what God wants to do if you'll just trust him. And, and Joseph, you know, he, he, he now, now they're charging him a little bit, you know, and so we're having to pay a little bit per month. Can you imagine $100 for a program, one hour for a 45-minute video? 100 bucks. And, and so, you know, it's like, you know, he's being shown four times a week. And, and God is just blessing this work in an amazing way. But, but here's somebody that was just trying somehow to stay alive and work. And during the pandemic, they had shut everything down and people were starving to death. And, and they weren't supposed to go out and they would go, he would sneak out with a carload of food and bring it to different people he knew that needed food, you know, and, and uh, uh, there, there was a cost involved. And yet God was working and God will continue to work and pray for our work in India, pray for that, that TV program that's still going out there. It's incredible, uh, the people that are listening. But you know, at the same time, He's gotten more threats. And people have threatened him with his life, with his family. We said, we're going to come and we're going to cut you up and your children. That, that, that's a price, isn't it? That, that, that's something that he has to struggle with. And he actually had over 50 Hindus come to his home, surrounded it, and told them to come out, and they were going to kill them all. And God just intervened for them. But there is a price when you say, Lord, I want to follow you. You don't know what God's going to do. But I want to encourage you. Jesus is the king. And he has come with great power and authority. Jesus has authority over the truth he has authority over the spirit world. He has authority over the physical world. He has authority over men. And you and I have the privilege of being a part of this kingdom that is so powerful. And Jesus, I really believe, is coming very soon. Do you believe that? And so we have much work to do. And I want to pray for you right now and ask the Lord to give you strength and encourage you 
that you will do all that he's calling you to do, whatever the price. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege of entering into your presence. Father, thank you for your, your wonderful authority. And Lord, we know that you have a work for every one of us to do. And so Lord, we pray that we would operate in your power. Lord, we offer ourselves afresh to you. Lord, forgive us for our selfishness, our self-centeredness, and free us, Lord, to follow you with all of our hearts, all of our being. So, Lord, we just uh, commit this service to you, and if there's those that are here that need prayer, Lord, I pray that they wouldn't leave without getting prayer this morning. But, Father, again, we are so grateful for your hand upon our lives. You are the king, and we thank you for your authority, and we give you praise this morning. And everybody said, amen. It's been great to share with you, and you're stuck with me for one more week. <laughs> okay.